following program was paid for by the Tony Colladio Show. The future is most definitely now. Welcome to 8Base Radio, an interactive show featuring technology trends, top business leaders, and upcoming events in the business world. 8Base Radio is hosted by 8Base founder and CEO, Albert Santalo, a serial entrepreneur and angel investor with a passion for disrupting traditional business models. Now, here is Albert and your 8Base Radio team on 880 AM, The Biz. Good afternoon, South Florida. This is Albert Santolo, founder and CEO of 8Base, here with another great episode of 8Base Radio. And today we have a very, very special guest, one that's near and dear to my heart, uh, someone I've known for a long, long time and have collaborated with on numerous occasions. And we're very, you know, speaking for all of South Florida, we're very, very proud of the work that she and uh, the rest of her group uh, which, which indirectly includes her father, Manny Medina, uh, have done for this community and continue to do. So I'm here with Melissa Medina. Thank you. Welcome, Albert. Melissa. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for this opportunity and being part of this platform and excited to collaborate in yet another way with you and with Apace. Excellent. How was your Thanksgiving? It was great. Lots of turkey and lots of family and friends in town and a lot of bonding time. And good fun. weather, right? Great weather. We're, we're so blessed to live here. <laughs> I know. Winter in Miami, if Absolutely. there's such a thing. <laughs> it sort of starts out, especially with New York being so bad. Uh, oh, over, I know. It's been the, really cold over know, there. Over the, over the weekend. So anyway, so um, Melissa, you know, usually we start here with you telling us your story. Mm-hmm. And if you could tell us, you know, tell us all about you and tell us about Emerge. Sure. Thank you. Um, well, I was born and raised here in Miami, so I'm one of the few Miamians. <laughs> uh, my parents are both Cuban immigrants, and so that actually plays a big part of, of who I am today. I went to school in UF. Don't hold that against me if, <laughs> if you're not a Gator fan out there, but my undergrad and graduate degrees are both from the University of Florida, and I also did part of my graduate studies abroad in Barcelona in a, in a school called ESADE, a global management school, which was a great, great experience for me. And, you know, I guess uh, about Emerge, Emerge Americas is, you know, to put it simply, is a, a global technology conference and event that we host annually here in Miami at the Miami Beach Convention Center, where we bring together incredible entrepreneurs, investors, business executives, government officials, from all over the world, uh, discussing very relevant and powerful technologies that are transforming industries across the globe. And Emerge started, what year did Emerge start? It um, officially launched, we incorporated in 2012, but our first event was in 2014. Ah, okay. I so believe, we're going on year six. Yeah, and if, if I'm not mistaken, 2012 was when Terramark transacted? So Terramark, which was my father's company, an IT infrastructure and cloud computing company, sold to Verizon Wireless in 2011. Okay. And that's a big part of Emerge and, and how it even came to be. And you were at Terramark, I believe. I was, yeah. I was at Tell Terramark. Tell us about for, that. Did, did you start your career there? I did. I you did. were a financial I, analyst? I, I was a financial analyst. I worked uh, in the accounting department. 
I helped implement something that's probably not even around anymore, which is a, I remember the accounting platform called Great Plains. Sure, it's called Microsoft Dynamics. <laughs> you huh? know, there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, I've, I've worn many hats through Terramark. I actually started off probably uh, as a teenager in high school, I would uh, intern in the summers, and at the time, it was a real estate company, That's right. which is uh, another, I guess, long story. I don't know if we want to go into it in this podcast, but Terramark did start as a completely a real estate development company, so I would do due diligence there in the summers, and I just really learned the ropes of the business. And what did you study? What was your undergrad? My, undergrad, my undergraduate de- degree was in real estate and urban analysis, and my master's is in international business. Gotcha. So you were a financial analyst. You started at Terramark in mm-hmm. what year? In, uh, well, dating me now, 2003 or four. Okay. Yep. So I, I, I remember those days, <laughs> right? And so um, you were obviously very young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and your father is, you know, if, if when I think of Manny Medina, the the what I think of the most is is his grit, his ability to, you know, take on any situation, and muscle through it. Absolutely. And in 2003, Terramark was was not a, a walk in the park. No, definitely not. So that's when I guess I officially started full time working there and interning was way before that I was in high school in 94, 95, 96 around there. Um, but yes, 2003 around that time was a very difficult time at Terramark. Terramark transitioned from real estate into tech. Um, I could kind of tell you the very, very simplified version. But basically, there was a public bid to bu- to build the network access point, the Nap of the Americas, that's here still in Miami. Um, I don't know if you've driven by like 395, you see the big satellites on top of it. And basically it's where, it's kind of like an airport for internet traffic. And there was a public bid to build the actual building for the fifth uh, Nap of the Americas in this scale. Um, And Terramark won that bid. So he kind of got into it because of the real estate aspect, but then quickly... A way to think about Terramark is sort of it's a specialized real estate, right? It's a place where instead of building out your own data center in your office, at the time it was a revolutionary thing because in the late 90s, I remember, that was the first (laughs) $500,000 of anybody's venture capital was spent spent on building your own data center inside your office. Yep, absolutely, exactly. And that's kind of how... Terramark, the real estate company, got into Terramark, the technology aspect, and he just, I remember at the time him just reading up on technology and books and and became almost enthralled with it and just started selling all of his real estate and said, look, I what I really want to do, I don't want to only build it, I want to build and operate it. And I remember that building going up, I was in college, and it only took nine or ten months to build this Hurricane 5 category-proof building, and I remember the ribbon cutting was July of 2001. And it was very successful. Everyone very excited about it. All the real estate now sold. And then September 11th hit. Yeah. September 11th, 2001. Um, And that really kind of threw everything, I think the whole world, obviously. Sure. For a loop. And for him in particular with this new company and this new venture, um, it really hit Terramark very hard. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very tough. The dot-com bubble imploding yep. didn't help either. 
Absolutely. <laughs> Double whammy. And Terramark was a public company at the time, I mm-hmm. believe, right? Which means well, open to public scrutiny also. Yeah, Everything I, I, was... Absolutely. And Sarbanes-Oxley came around. Yep. And, and, you know, all of a sudden had to comply with all of that. So tough, tough situation. Yep. So if I, if I think back, 2003, mm-hmm. then all of a sudden 2005, was it 2004 and 5, I think, or 5 and 6, where we had eight hurricanes? I think it was 2004. Yeah. 2004, 2005, yeah. Yeah, I think it was 4 and 5. Like- and all of a sudden it became sort of important for you to have your technology exactly. in a place like the NAP, right? Yeah, and even, I mean, even kind of going back to what I was saying about September 11th and 2001, um, I think that also... Even though uh, overall um, it was absolutely a, a, I think a terrible time for so many people, um, that also helped companies also realize how important it was to protect their information. And I think sure. for government agencies also, how important it was to make sure that it was as safe as possible. Um, and so the government actually ended up becoming one of Terramark's right. biggest customers also. I think it had to do with a lot of things that happened between 2001 and 2004. Yeah, there's no, there's no doubt about it. So it kind of came full circle. So you were there from 2003 mm-hmm. to 2011 when, when the exit happened. So tell us a little bit about what you learned. Aside from financial analysis. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I learned so many different aspects of the business from marketing, from sales, from business development. And, you know, one thing that was always important to me, and I think even still is um, being the daughter of the founder of the organization and, and the same now um, with Emerge, you know, was always trying to learn as much as possible, learn as many roles and responsibilities as possible, and also create my own path and journey um, within the organization also. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And I'm sure a lot of valuable lessons about entrepreneurship. A lot of valuable lessons. And I think, you know, even though I guess in 99, I wasn't officially, you know, part of Terramark with that, that period of time, and even dating back to my 7th and 8th grade years, Terramark being a real estate company and also went through some really tough times here in Miami. My father actually left to live in in Kuwait after the, after the Kuwait wars when I was in 7th and 8th grade. I learned so much from his own um, difficulties in building a business and entrepreneurship. Sure. And, you know, you, you can only learn from all of those experiences and try not to, you know, make them uh, happen again. Um, But yeah, I've just, I've had an an amazing example, uh, you know, next to me my whole life. (laughs) No, absolutely. And uh, invaluable, I can imagine. I, I, I always think about, you know, again, you know, persistence and belief in what you're doing. Because a person like that could have very easily said, well, you know, I was pursuing a technology play during the dot-com bubble. And dot-com bubble implodes. And that's it. And then the real estate bubble happens. And I'm sitting on the sidelines, <laughs> right? Because I'm working on a technology venture. And that, that could that's enough to maybe it's discourage true. somebody to give up. <laughs> but he's incapable of giving up. No, no. that's I don't think those two words are in his vocabulary. Yeah. Just not, not an option. Exactly. So, option. so 2011 comes around. Yeah. And I remember 
So I remember exactly where I was when I when I when I got the the the, word. the, the wire, the news wire that uh, the Terramark had sold. I believe it was for one point four billion dollars. Yep. And so obviously, you know, any sins of the past for anybody are all erased on the day like that, <laughs> right? Um, it was a very exciting time. I mean, obviously, very proud. Um, of my father and, and my family and just the whole team. He has a core team that's worked with him for a very long time, many of which are with him in his new venture now also. But I think, you know, something happened after that sale. I guess a couple things. One is it was a great success story in terms of technology for Miami, for South Florida to have a, you know, a 800-pound gorilla like Verizon purchase Terramark was sure. incredible for our community. And... After that, you know, my father had a conversation with me and he said, Melissa, you know, I know a couple of things that I want to do right off the bat after the sale. And he's like, one is, you know, I want to give back to the community that's been so good to us. I mean, he came here at 13 years old. So did my mom at five years old with nothing. And this community really has embraced him and our family. And so I want to give back to the community that's been so good to us. And two, I really, I don't know how, but I want us to figure out a way to help change the mindset of people beginning to think Miami technology in the same yeah. sentence, which working for a technology company in Miami um, was not the easiest thing. You know, we'd go to conferences all over the world or we'd have meetings outside of Miami. And even in Miami, a lot of people would ask, why is this technology company headquartered in sure. Miami because our headquarters were here. Nobody really understood why. And for us, it was easy. It's, a, it's home and there's a lot of great things to Miami. And for sure. so that's kind of where the idea began sort of um, coming to fruition about Emerge. Not having a name yet, but knowing that we wanted to do something um, impactful that would begin to create um, a whole new ecosystem in Miami. Yeah, which is which is commendable, because you know after the journey of Terramark and after the exit and after you know making a significant amount of money, he certainly didn't have to do anything again. No, that's that's true. And um, but you know, knowing him, I knew that that wasn't yeah, it wasn't an option. No, there's no way that he wasn't gonna work anymore, or just completely retire. And which yeah, of course he definitely could have and. A lot of us encouraged him to. He took some time off and did things he loved, which is scuba diving and fishing and being in the water. Um, I, I always joke with him that he has a, a set of gills for sure. <laughs> um, but no, he's just too used to the, the right. grind. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so he's, he's signed up for multiple things. Yeah. Uh, you know, that was. You know, we won't double click too much on that. But, the, you know, the, the, the main thing is obviously Emerge. That was sort yeah. of the first thing. I know he kicked off a fund and mm -hmm. he made venture investments and now he's back in the game again with Sixtera. Yep. But uh, Emerge. And so mm -hmm. you made a decision that yep. you wanted to be a part of. You were there since the beginning, correct? From the beginning, from when it was just a concept and really helped formulate all of it, um, really just kind of bring the idea to life. And so it was a very kind of different journey than our work relationship at Terramark when that company was already sort of established and he really built that. I really feel that with this, it was um, definitely a, an effort between many of us, but you know, the, the idea of him talking to me and, and helping really build it and make the idea real 
um, has been incredible. And I knew from the beginning when he mentioned it to me that it was something that I wanted to be a part of, something that I wanted to help build and create because it was something that was going to be impactful here in Miami. Um, and also because I knew the opportunity that would that it would kind of manifest and snowball in so many other ways. So just got really, really excited about it. I think more excited than I had been about anything that I'd worked on before. That's great. And so you've been at it now. Um, so the idea six was years? born in 2011. So yeah, it's been seven, seven years. years. Wow. Yeah, and we're going on our sixth show next April, April 29th and 30th, 2019. Excellent. And I believe the whole the whole concept was funded by Manny at the beginning, right? If I'm not mistaken. So not fully, uh, definitely, you know, uh, the majority, but we thankfully had a lot of support, even from the beginning when it was just a concept and it was kind of a difficult sell. Nobody really understood why we would be trying to host a global technology conference in Miami, but we did have early adopters and early funders and from Knight Foundation being one of them, Yes. which really at the time, um, was spearheaded by and still is by Alberto, but also the the director at the time was Matt Hagman, sure. and he's really the one in our community that kind of started really putting financial resources into these tech and entrepreneurial initiatives, um, and they still to this day are big supporters and funders of us. And now under Raúl Moas, who's the new right. managing director there, and they've just been—I mean, they've been. A financial resource and supporter not only for us but I mean as you know numerous tech and entrepreneurial Very important. yeah Very important I mean they've really the helped yeah. seed this um, in so many different ways and so many different organizations and initiatives in our community so they were one of our first they were our found one of our founding partners gotcha and so first conference in 2014 mm-hmm. I was there Mm-hmm. <laughs> You've been an amazing ambassador and supporter. I've tried. I've tried. And, uh, <laughs> and a big party in Miami Beach yep. the, the day before, the weekend mm-hmm. before, right? And uh, so tell us about the evolution. So the first, how many people came to the first conference? So the first conference, we had about 5,000 people. Which is pretty big. Huge. I mean, we were, uh, I'll explain to you the last week of that yeah. first conference. So this was 2014. Our first one was in May. And, you know, we had never been in the event business before, ever, in any type of event business. And so we were learning a lot of things for the first time. And one thing that we didn't know, uh, I guess we should have, uh, coming from a Latin American family and atmosphere, is that, you know, people really purchase passes really late here in Miami. I mean... (laughs) So that la- the last they haven't decided yet if they're gonna, yeah, they're gonna I think wake up just, early enough to go. Yeah, yeah, they just you know it's last minute, and so the, the, those last seven to ten days, we thought you know we really would have been happy with even two thousand people. Twenty five hundred wow. is the number we were kind of throwing around internally. We would have been happy with, um, considering it was the first year, you know, a concept, and we weren't sure how much traction it was gonna have. But then we saw that last week you know, increments of 500 passes being purchased and up, you know, every day. And we thought, wow, no, wait, this is going to be. And then we sold on site also. And we ended up having, yeah, close to 5,000 people that first event. And that, I mean, that told us a couple of things. One is that's when we decided, okay, we're going to do this annually now and really help build this. Um, There was enough traction. And it also told us that there was enough interest, you know, that we, we felt that we were, filling a void potentially in the market which is 
this global technology platform, but with a, you know, a very um, a connection to Latin America. And there really wasn't any other conference doing that at the time. Um, and so we felt, you know, I think we've kind of filled a void and a niche in the market, and we're just going to try to build this as much as possible. Fantastic. But that last week was a little stressful. Oh, extreme. But, you know, every <laughs> year there's some sort of stress. In, the, in this yeah. type of event environment, it's, you know, speakers may not be able to show up last minute. There's always um, some logistical, you know, I can only Snafus, imagine, but we deal with them. Do you so? So how's it grown? So so it's five thousand the first year. Yeah, five thousand the first year, and then it's grown um, pretty consistently year after year. This year, two thousand eighteen, which was you know, I keep saying last year, but it was still this year, two thousand eighteen. We had fifteen thousand people, just over fifteen thousand people. I mean, that's a very significant conference. Yeah, it's yeah, it's in terms of technology, uh, it's definitely the biggest in South Florida. And maybe in the southeast? Yeah, I think in the southeast as well. I mean, yeah, I think there's a few technology conferences um, in, like, the Atlanta, Atlanta region. Atlanta, maybe. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if they have over 15,000 Atlanta people, has though. a big venue. So. They have a huge venue yeah. also. Um, but, yeah, definitely uh, in South Florida for sure. And the, the fact that the convention center has been overhauled, I'm <laughs> sure, is a huge blessing for you guys. Yes, absolutely. Anyone? Other than those years where you had to work yeah, around it. Yeah, I was going to yeah. say, you know, we've definitely, we've ridden that um, roller coaster with them. Um, but yeah, ultimately, we're really excited. 2019, actually, next year will be the first year where it's full, where the renovations are fully done. Um, even though this year we were on a renovated wing, there was still yes, a lot of construction happening on, on the west side of the, the building. Parking, the parking was horrendous. Parking, there was no parking and... Um, this year or next year, sorry, 2019, we're very excited because it'll be, you know, brand new, state of the art, everything high tech. We actually took, uh, we walked through it about a month ago and it really looks phenomenal. I mean, it really needed it to begin with, um, but it's exciting to see it now come to life and seeing all the, um, technology that they've actually put into it also. And yeah, I think it's going to be our best year for that's sure. amazing yeah and there was a year where you had to do it in june i believe right yeah we had to do it in june um in because of that because of june, the convention we had to center. move it two months we had no believe it or not there really is no other venue in miami and we could have moved it north um but in miami that holds this many people sure um and also taking into account the whole uh making sure that it's wired a wired building right. Um, and so we had no other option other than to push it because at the time in 2017, uh, the convention center during the months we usually hosted, which is in April, was fully closed. Yeah. They had closed from Art Basel in December all the way. We were the first show again in June of 2017. Yeah. No, but that, we like April. April's great. Just June's weather. June's already too hot. June is hot. People start getting in summer mode also. Um, April's a great time still to bring people from the Northeast, from the West Coast, but June's a June's a tough month here. Yeah, no, absolutely. Are you guys doing anything for Art Basel in terms of eMerge? So um, nothing officially. We've had talks with a few different organizations and maybe collaborating on some front um, with a few events, but nothing officially at this point. Cool. And so, what the attendance? Do you do you have statistics on where people come from? to to attend the event i have uh, yes so we have over 
40 countries that people are coming from. The majority of the people are coming from Southeast US and Latin America. Um, the numbers are shifting every year, but majority is Southeast US, Latin America. Last year we had about 25% of our attendees were from Latin America. That's great. Which is great. Um, our second, well, our biggest is from the US, obviously, then Latin America, and then our third chunk um, is actually from Europe. And it's it's interesting how there is a lot of interest from Europeans, and now we're seeing, even though it's a much smaller market that's in attendance at Emerge, but it's growing significantly every year also, is Asia. The Asian market is really? very, in, yeah, because it's, in our opinion, um, they see it as a way to tap into the Latin American market. It's very difficult to go into all the different countries in Latin America. Sure. Um, but if there's a way to bring, you know, these Latin American entrepreneurs and companies to Miami like we have, and then bring other organizations to Miami as well from Europe, from Asia, then they're able to connect here, makes doing business a lot smoother and a lot easier. That makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, we're seeing a lot of interest from Asia too, which is pretty neat, a market that we really hadn't been focusing on, to be honest. Excellent, excellent. Do you expect the attendance to continue to go up or is it sort of, you, you think, gonna stay at Plato. about 15,000 or so? So whereas the first few years, we were definitely pushing on increasing the attendance. Um, for next year, it's really not our top priority. I mean, we are confident that we're going to have at least 15,000 or more. But really what we're concentrating on is the quality of attendees. We have 56% of our attendees are senior uh, level managers or above. And for us, it's very important that there's quality networking, um, relationships being made, business being conducted. So it's not about filling the room and it's not about, you know, becoming 100,000 people. If it does organically and we continue the quality of attendees, great. Um, but if it doesn't, that's not our top priority. Gotcha. So you're not trying to be Dreamforce. No, we're not trying to be, or South by, we're Southwest, not. Southwest, yeah. Yeah, or South by Southwest. No, we're not. And Miami Beach's ability to handle the capacity has been, oh. been, been great. Yeah, no problem at all. Yeah. The Miami Beach Convention Center, you mean? Well, and in general, the beach. Oh, the beach itself? Because, you know, having been at Dreamforce, for instance, you know, the city of San Francisco is overwhelmed. Yeah, no. You can't, get, you can't get a taxi. Hotel rooms are very, very difficult. I mean, it's, it's so tough. far, So far, so good. I mean, we have a great relationship with the city of Miami Beach and really have been working closely with them, not only because we hosted their, obviously, the Miami Beach Convention Center, but with their city officials, with the hotels on Miami Beach, um, with their police force, so they help us security-wise during the conference and really have just developed a great relationship with them. Miami Beach is where I was born and raised. I grew up there until I was 14. Um, and so it's, although it's not physically home for me right now, but it's, it's yeah holds a big piece of my heart. Um, so yeah, it's been amazing to, to be actually be able to host it there and so far so good, knock on wood, uh, with any issues with the city. Great. Well, with that, we're going to take a break. Uh, we'll be back with 8Base Radio and Melissa Medina in a few moments. Thanks. <laughs> Albert and the 8Base team return in moments with more 8Base Radio here on 880 AM, The Biz. 
If you're looking for a new car without the new car price, head to Durrell Lincoln and check out their inventory of certified pre-owned Lincolns. Here's GM Miguel Otero. Here at Durrell Lincoln, we have a reconditioning center where I have some of the best certified mechanics that go above and beyond to make sure that we're putting out the best quality vehicle. And with that, the manufacturer will also extend the warranty to a six-year hundred thousand on all our certified vehicles that are 2013 on up. Pick out your certified pre-owned Lincoln today at Durrell Lincoln. Discover the Durrell Lincoln difference. If your business needs money and needs it fast, up to $250,000, One Capital Funding can help. For any credit score above 500, we have a 90% loan approval rate. And you can have the money within seven days. It's simple and fast. There is never an upfront cost or collateral required. All it takes is a three-minute phone call. Call 786-290-4689 or visit us at OneCapitalFunding.com. That's OneCapitalFunding.com. Or call us 786-290-4689. 4689 One Capital Funding Rocket Fuel for your business. Hey, everybody, Ed Martinez from Front and Center on 880 The Biz. I love bringing 15 years of experience, passion, and knowledge of the law to you, my listeners. Now I'm doing even more for you. I can bring all that to you personally. If you've got any legal matters, criminal or civil, call me at the Martinez Law Center, 786-567-8757. That's 786-567-8757. Now you can benefit from my personalized attention and results-driven passion and justice. 786-567-8757. The initial consultation is free. Here's a question. What is the best place for cigars of the entire Southeast? Answer. Cuban Crafters here in the heart of Little Havana. The largest cigar choices you can imagine. Hundreds of the top labels in the world. Hand rolled on location from H. Upman to Rocky Patel to the great Miami brand. That's a Cuban Crafters original. Have Al Gutman, George and the team treat you to the finest cigars and a free Cuban coffee. Cuban Crafters, 3604 Northwest 7th Street. 3604 Northwest 7th Street. You can also call them 305-573-0222 or go to their great website CubanCrafters.com. Cuban Crafters, the radio home of Front and Center. Hello, everyone. This is Judge Anna Pando, retired county court judge, political and community activist for practically a lifetime. Tune in to my new show, And Justice for All, every Tuesday at 6 p.m. Power-packed, fun, and informative discussion of issues that affect your everyday life. For all your legal needs, accidents, slip and falls, criminal matters, and any other legal needs you may have, call me. I will fight and help you in the same courts where I imparted justice for all. Remember, call Judge Pando at 833-X-JUDGE, 833-395-833. Now back to Albert Santalo and the 8-Base team here on 880 AM, The Biz. Hi, this is Albert Santalo back for the second half of the hour here with Melissa Medina. Having a great conversation about everything that's Melissa, Emerge, and even Manny Medina. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome back. Thank you. So Melissa, we were... um, we left off, we were talking a lot about Miami Beach and how it supported the eMERGE conference, how mm-hmm. the convention center has evolved and so forth. Why don't you, why don't we go to the next level of discussion here sure. and talk a little bit about the content. Mm-hmm. You guys have worked incredibly hard uh, and, and, and you know, we'll also talk about what you guys are doing when you're not holding the conference. Okay. But I'm sure that, that dovetails nicely into the content building. So, so tell us about the, the, the agenda. Mm-hmm. Uh, the different tracks, and, uh, you know, go as sure. deep as you want on this. Sure. So, yeah, content is definitely one of the most important aspects of the conference. Uh, we have a, a full-time content director as part of our team. She's been part of a, part of Emerge since the second year. Um, really helps drive the, the topics and the types of speakers that we reach, we reach out to. 
believe it or not, I mean, we're reaching out to speakers for the following year before that conference even takes place. So we'll be reaching out for 2020 speakers now into early 2019. Sure. That kind of also answers your question of what else are yeah. you guys, what else are you guys doing? But well, it's it, not easy to get to get these speakers. No, I mean, you, know, you guys are aiming high. Their calendars fill up, um, and then in terms of topics and themes, I mean, we as a team, as a whole, we look at you know what's relevant, what's changed. As you know, uh, Albert, you know, technology changes not only on a daily basis, but on an hourly basis. So making sure that we're staying relevant. We like to be a little edgy at times too. So things that are intriguing that maybe you might not be thinking about in terms of technology, but we kind of intertwine it into our content and people are like, oh, now I get it why this speaker was sure. there. And um, so for next year, our content themes are going to be, you know, we're going to focus a lot on artificial intelligence and the whole mixed reality, virtual reality. We'll be talking a lot about blockchain. Uh, so I want to talk to you further about that also. Sure. Um, and obviously not only the whole digital currency aspect of it, but I think more importantly, and I think you're much more of an expert than I am in this, but you know how blockchain is such a powerful technology and how it could be used for so many other things. And so we want to make sure we're drilling down into that. We'll be talking a lot about cybersecurity, which I think is another very relevant topic sure. that's not going anywhere anytime soon. On the contrary, no, we need to be much more aware. Yeah, no, everybody, that's something everybody needs and will need to the end of time. Absolutely. And that's a way that um, Six Terra, my father's new company, and Emerge, we collaborate a lot on, on the cybersecurity efforts um, as part of Emerge. And actually, Six Terra now has their own Six Terra Con, so Six Terra Conference within Emerge. So we'll be focusing on cybersecurity topics. Um, we'll be focusing a lot on digital marketing and, of course, on entrepreneurship. I mean, to me, the heart and soul of Emerge Americas is the startups and is the entrepreneurial community. It's the reason investors want to go. It's the reason big global organizations want to go. And they're really like the nucleus. And, and you know, we want to make sure that there's relevant content for all the entrepreneurs that we're bringing from around the world. Yeah. So so is it that you're trying to educate entrepreneurs? Is it that you are showcasing entrepreneurs? Tell us about that. It's a little bit of both. Um, so we have a, a startup showcase at Emerge, uh, which is we've been hosting since year one. And the quality of startups that we select each year has just grown. Um, applications are open. They opened in August and they're open through the end of January. Uh, we usually get five or 600 applications from around the world. We select 110 um, to showcase at Emerge. We don't charge the startups that are selected anything. We give them access to eight weeks of a virtual boot camp, an in-person boot camp the day before Emerge where they meet with investors, they practice their pitches, they have workshops. We give them passes and space at Emerge, and then they kind of go through this whole sharks, Shark Tank style um, they pitch on stage, they're cut down to 25, then five, and then there's one winner. So f through that process, if you're one of those 110, there is a lot of educating. Um, on stage at Emerge, we do have a lot of focus on a lot of success stories on entrepreneurs because what better way to learn from incredible entrepreneurs that have already kind of gone through uh a phenomenal journey and learn from them and learn from their mistakes and their opportunities and their challenges. Um, so it's, it's a little bit of both. Yeah, no, that's, that's incredible. What, what um, success stories from an entrepreneurship perspective have come out of Emerge? 
That's the most exciting part. And I swear, I'm sure that there's many that we're not even aware of that kind of happen accidentally at Emerge. I think for the most part, we're able to capture them because we keep in touch with our attendees and our startups. But I'm sure there's many that we don't know as well. But some that kind of stick out to me are we had a startup as part of the startup competition, a company called Previta. Um, It's a company out of Mexico, a Mexican startup that was selected to be part of the showcase. They're uh, like a health uh, tech platform. Um, and they, by complete coincidence, Claudio Murusabal, who's the SAP LATAM president, um, passed by their booth and started talking to them. And to make a very long story short, they're a partner now with SAP because of that conversation that they had at Emerge, which for a startup was, sure, I mean, phenomenal for them. And they're still partners. We still keep in touch with them. Actually, I'll be in Mexico next week and I'll be seeing them. Um, so that partnership has only manifested since they met at Emerge. A great local success story is, I'm sure you know, WinCode Academy. Um, both Yuha and Joanna Mikola, who are also Endeavor entrepreneurs, but they actually launched at Emerge. When they got to Miami, they, they were here, I think, two or three months before they launched at Emerge. And they met Lynn University there. And they are now partners with Lynn University because they met at Emerge. So just like that, we've had, you know, hundreds of these success stories. We've had um, investors invest in startups on the spot at Emerge um, and incredible investment stories also. So great. Yeah, it's the best part. It is. It is. It is. How many of the people who the companies that participate in the startup showcase? Mm -hmm. Are they mostly local? Are they from everywhere? Is there a good mix? There's a good mix. There's definitely um, a lot of Florida and LATAM. Those are probably most dominant markets. Um, but we have had from Australia. We've had from India. You know, we've had from all over the world. But yes, the majority are definitely Florida and Latin America. Fantastic. Yeah, that's it's helping startups is near and dear to my heart. Yeah, no, I mean, you're a mentor and... You understand the the value of it for these startups. And it's hard. It's hard. They need they need all the help they can get. All the help they can get. And it, I mean, for us, which ultimately we're a very mission driven organization, and what we want to see is a thriving tech and entrepreneurial hub in Miami. Um, there's no better way than to help startups. I mean, we want them to succeed. Their success means the success of our ecosystem. Sure. So. My understanding is both Pitbull and A-Rod have had <laughs> prominent roles in, in, in Emerge, right? Tell us about that. So, yes, you know, they are both investors in Emerge. Um, actually, A-Rod's a founding partner of Emerge, as is Pitbull. And, you know, just phenomenal to have their support. And not only um, from the beginning, but even after that, they've played a a big role in building out Emerge. Um, Armando Pitbull, I mean, he's he's been there every single year. He is very involved in uh, many different aspects of the business, gives us great ideas, um, has been really involved with the startups. He's invested in some of the startups that he saw at Emerge. You know, that kind of goes back to the success stories also. How amazing to have him as now as a, an investor and partner in, in sure. some of these startups that have caught his attention. So, yeah, no, I mean, it's been it's been great to have uh, both of them as part of our journey. 
and they they really help to attract people to the conference. Absolutely, they're very very lively, especially Pitbull. Yeah, in terms of promotion of it, right? Promotion. Um, obviously, they're celebrities in their own right, so having them um, as ambassadors for what we're doing is is incredible. But more than anything, you know, their ideas and their um, constant support has been great. Awesome. And CNBC and Telemundo. Yeah. They're also involved, right? Yes, they are. That relationship started in year two. Um, and it really gave us an immediate kind of global global exposure. It started off as a one-year contract with them. Um, with NBC Universal, but specifically with CNBC and Telemundo, where they would broadcast live from Emerge. Uh, we have their talent on our stages as moderators. Um, they interview a lot of our um, speakers. And the amazing part about it is that they've been back year after year, and now we have multi-year contracts with them. They'll be back in 2019. They'll be broadcasting live. Um, and the same thing, and they'll be bringing talent. And it's just amazing not only for us as Emerge, but I think for us as a community to have this, you know, amazing exposure live for two full days here in our backyard is it's been awesome. And they are um, fascinated by the startups, too. I mean, they follow really? each year. They follow the journey of 10 startups, which is great for the startups as well. Um, yeah. So it's been a great partnership and relationship and uh, go to New York often to meet with them and just kind of build on the partnership that we already have. Fantastic. Well, that begs another question. So the conference is how many days? Two full days Two at the Miami Beach Convention Center, but it's a kind of a full week. Of, it's a full full week of different events. Yeah. Right? And the dates are? April 29th and 30th, 2019. So what are you guys doing the other 363, 364 <laughs> days of the year? On vacation? <laughs> <laughs> I wish. No, we are... I, I, you know, I appreciate you asking me that question because we, we get asked that a lot. And we are definitely a 365-day-a-year organization. We, I mean, not only does it take a lot of time and effort to plan and organize this one um, massive event, and it takes a whole team, but we are actually um, activating small events and satellite events throughout the year. We're also actively uh partnering with many of the organizations that are spart uh, that are sponsors and partners in many different ways throughout the year um so for example i just got back from colombia i'm heading to mexico next week and this is a partnership with the university of miami where we are traveling together to different universities in latin america we're hosting pitch nights there uh, creating a um launched a University Hemisphere and Consortium at Emerge this year, and now we're actually traveling to those universities throughout LATAM. So just like that, we we partner with many of the organizations throughout the entire years with, year with different initiatives. So we are working a lot. Yeah, I know. There's no doubt, and I happen to know that just because we're we happen to be building. in the same, <laughs> same office building. I know. So Which is um, great. yeah, so I I see you more than twice a year. Yes. So um, the, 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 the satellite events that happen, mm -hmm. tell us a little bit about that. So we host satellite events locally. Uh, each one has a different theme or topic, and we partner with a different organization for that specific event. And we host them in Miami. We host them in D.C., New York, and in Latin America. Those are kind of our key markets. And it's really just to um, 
one, stay relevant throughout the year and continue kind of the conversations that we had and emerged throughout the year and also sure. building up to the conference also. So those events are usually we host them once a month, uh, different cities, 80 to 120 people more or less. Um, and then we also host a lot of pitch nights and we host them in coordination with different accelerators and incubators um, and with universities, like I mentioned, with the University of Miami partnership. Um, so there's different formats on the types of e- events that we activate throughout the year, but we're very busy um, leading up to emerge throughout the 11 months before. No, that makes a lot of sense, but it's a lot of hard work yeah. and a lot of travel. It is a lot of travel, a lot of hard work, but it's exciting. It's really, really exciting. The whole team is thrilled to be part of something, you know, that hopefully one day in the future people will look back and Emerge will kind of have a life of its own and sure. won't even know who started it or the team. That, and that's kind of what we want to happen, you know, kind of like a like the Art Basel, but of technology. Yeah. How big is your team? We're 11 full-time. Okay. 11 full-time, and then as we get closer to, to the event, so now in January, we'll ramp up um, and we'll begin having uh, independent contractors, and then we outsource, of course, a lot of the build-out. and So we have a much larger sure. team um, when you look at it you know, through different aspects of the business, but full-time, 365 days a year, it's 11 of us. Great. Melissa, quick question regarding the startups. If somebody wants to participate Mm -hmm. in the startup showcase, how do they apply and what's the deadline? So applications are open. They opened in July. Just go to our website, emergeamericas.com. And if you look for the startup section, it'll take you to a a gust link where all the um, information is there. And applications close uh, January 31st. Okay. And then we make selections in February. And you select how many companies? It depends on the pool, but usually around 110. Okay, so it's pretty pretty big. Yeah. Are there different tracks? Yes. Okay. There's three different tracks. There's university tracks, so it's a company that the founders are either in the university or just graduated. Um, there's early stage, and then there's later stage. And each of the three tracks are also defined um, in detail on the website. The criteria. Yeah, the criteria. Great. Exactly. So... You do a lot of work in D.C. and with the government and so forth. Tell us about what what Emerge's activities are related to that. So in D.C., um, usually what we do in D.C., and it also is in partnership with Sixterra. Sixterra has a lot of employees that used to be government employees, being a cybersecurity company. So when we host any type of satellite event in D.C., it's usually cybersecurity focused, and we partner with Sixterra, and it's just a way to um, be able to talk about what's happening in South Florida, in Miami, and about Emerge with the DC community. So we bring together a really cool panel of thought leaders, uh, and it's usually under the cybersecurity theme. Gotcha. Any any type of government outreach work that's done, or no? Or no? Yes, because one of the components of Emerge, uh, the conference, is called a eGov Summit. Not sure if you've 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 been to it. I yeah. think. Um, and it's where we bring together government officials from all over the world, but specifically from U.S. and Latin America, talk about public and private partnerships, smart city initiatives, and so we spend a lot of our time and effort in uh, personal relationships 
building relationships um, in D.C. and bringing those government officials to Miami in April. Makes sense. Makes sense. And um, what um, any notable companies that sponsor that you want to talk about? Uh, anybody who's been a big help uh, or is, you, you feel has made a huge impact within the eMERGE community? You know, I would give shout outs to so many companies here in South Florida, in Miami specifically, that because without the early support of these companies, I don't know if eMERGE would be here. You know, from Knight Foundation, Lab Miami, Refresh Miami, Venture Hive, now Venture City that launched a couple of years ago, um, your companies, Albert, you specifically. Um, <laughs> Thank you have been a great supporter. So I think, you know, my, yeah, my shout out and my love would definitely go to the local players that without their support, Emerge would definitely not happen. And this is also even the big companies. So the Facebooks of the world, the visas of the world, the city banks of the world that have been sponsoring us since year one, um, our contact has been with their Miami office. And if it wasn't for them, and them kind of pushing this through, you know, not sure that we would have gotten the attention from those companies early on. Um, so I think it's been uh, it's been great. And then uh, also, you know, from a government official perspective, many government officials didn't really understand what we were doing um, early on. And, you know, we had support from the city of Miami, from Miami-Dade County, and that was very helpful for us early on and now under Mayor Suarez's um, leadership in the city of Miami. He's been very helpful um, as a commissioner and now as a mayor. Sure. And the same Carlos Jimenez, Miami-Dade County mayor, from day one has been supportive of yeah. the merge also. And all of that kind of put together really helped us um, launch. No, I can imagine. So what about Silicon Valley? So you mentioned Facebook. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that that started from the Miami office. Yep. Google now has a, a, a real Miami office yeah, as they well. Do. Yeah, and they're involved um, in eMERGE too. They're involved as well. Great. Mm -hmm. And what about Silicon Valley itself? So we take a trip to Silicon Valley once a year, I'd say. Uh, we've met, uh, we've gone to the Facebook headquarters, we've gone to Google headquarters. And I think it's great for us to kind of make relationships there i it's not um what's the right word it's not going to move the needle for us here um i just don't think i don't know this is definitely not the right cho choice of word but that we're on their radar or yeah. as important um it's hard for anybody to be on their radar they yeah, have so much going on over they there they have so much going on they're so established it's Miami is just such a different market. And I like, you know, when people ask me about Silicon Valley and Miami, I kind of cringe when people cringe when people say Silicon Beach because yeah, I don't, we're not trying to be Silicon Valley. We're, totally agree. Right. Like we're making our own way. We're, we want to compliment. We want to give entrepreneurs another option. It's amazing what they've built there. You know, great. But we're, you know, I think we're carving our own path here and and, uh, you know, kind of. The, our niche is the emerging markets and it's something different it's something different it's, it, but it's not anybody I, to me anybody who's trying to be silicon valley is, it's is it's not, uh, it's, it's not attainable it's not authentic either yeah, i agree um but i think you know one place we have gotten attention and this is early on we had no attention from investors from silicon valley or from most places to be honest 
Um, but one place we're seeing that we're garnering more interest from Silicon Valley is from the investors, and it is because of the startups. And, you know, this year we had Jason Kalkanis, one of the sure. most well-known super angel investors from the Valley at Emerge. He invested on the spot um, in in startups from Emerge. He invited them to, their, to, to Silicon Valley. Two of them have spent the summer there in his programs. Um, so I think, you know, that's kind of maybe our avenue in is just having more investors see that there is real startup activity and quality startups here. Um, I think you're right. I mean, I think that's the most important thing. Yeah. And if we that's the way to start, that's the way to start. And if we can get their capital invested in some of the startups here, then that's just kind of feeding our ecosystem. That's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. So Melissa, outside of Emerge, mm-hmm. you're you're an Endeavor board member. Correct? I am. I love Endeavor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Tell us about that. Endeavor Miami. We just celebrated our fifth year. Um, and for those of you that don't know what it is, but it's a global nonprofit that was started in 1997 with um, with the efforts of helping high impact entrepreneurs. So a, a startup or scale up that's at an inflection point, they become selected as an Endeavor entrepreneur. They're given access to network of people and mentors and really just kind of helps scale their company much faster it's been great to have endeavor miami supportive here in our community they've had incredible success stories already they've created hundreds of thousands of jobs um and it's just an incredible organization incredible incredible organization were I think we were the first U.S. based, right? And I think it, that was a pivotal moment for Miami, also having them choose Miami for that. No, Endeavor's an amazing organization. Yeah, and some very very notable entrepreneurs that are behind it. Uh, yep. you know, very involved in other places, including Reed Hoffman. Yeah, right? he's on the global board. Yep, exactly. Yeah, so it, it's been great and a very distinguishing thing for them to be here in Miami. Yeah. start here essentially. Absolutely. So um, the Medina Family Foundation mm-hmm. also. Tell us about that. The Medina Family Foundation is a, our family's nonprofit organization. And you know, to put it simply, we want to give back to the community and we want to empower youth. So we help nonprofits um, as much as we can in the community. That's, again, that's been so good to us. And I'm also a mom of five children. So I get them involved in, <laughs> in that aspect of the business. Also help them volunteer and, um, you know, try to give back as much as we can. That's wonderful. And, um, you know, one last question. So you've been through it all at Emerge. Yes. Right. So tell us a war story. I would say the a story that definitely almost gave me a heart attack happened <laughs> this year at Emerge. And that was with the one keynote ever in the five years we, we've been doing Emerge um, that didn't show up last minute was Sophia the robot and you know it's ironic because we're in a technology conference she's a robot and had malfunctions the night before she was supposed to go on stage and so we had to work as a team really hard and we ended up thankfully filling her spot with an amazing speaker that brought robots from California but I'll tell you the story over drinks one day. <laughs> so it sounds like artificial intelligence got a way to go. Yeah, no, I think we, we joke that Sophia had too much fun in Miami Beach the night before. <laughs> Great. Well, listen, Melissa, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for your time, for being part of 8Base Radio. And we'll be back next week. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity. 
Appreciate you joining us for 8Base Radio, hosted by 8Base founder and CEO, Albert Santalo. Join us every Monday in prime time at 5 p.m. for a powerful, interactive hour featuring top business leaders, technology trends, and upcoming impacting events in the business world, bringing together the brightest minds in business and tech. This has been 8Base Radio. See you next Monday at 5 p.m. Good night. 880 The Biz, South Florida's exclusive home for Bloomberg Radio. For up-to-date news, the latest info, contests, and more, like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at 880 The Biz, where money talks. I'm Lou Dobbs. General Motors announcing drastic cuts to its workforce, thousands of jobs to be lost.